Garage Logic, broadcasting live from the office of the mayor above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. Featuring the rookie on production, Chris Reavers, vice president of social media, and John Height in the newsroom. Now, the fireworks commissioner, flashlight king, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Suchere. The mayor is um, looking for something. Show notes, clicker. He's got to get the uh, the proper weather channel, or maybe it's the traffic channel. As he looks, overlooks. Eastbound and westbound 94 in the metro area to find that it's... I don't want to watch the traffic channel. I want to see Crystal Lake and Burnsville. Ah. But the remote is nowhere to be found. Oh, boy. Okay. So... Oh, we'll handle that. What's on there right now that's going to... Out of your peripheral vision, that's going to make you off your game? It's not that I'm off my game. It's just... It's not a a poetic scene. I see. It's a crowded freeway. It's the traffic channel. 94. uh, Where, where, Where is that? The traffic's hardly moving. Uh, Groveland Avenue, so that's downtown by 35 and 94, where it kind of meet up. Might we issue the last word on the Duluth Airport? I, uh, yes. I uh, naively said last week, can the uh, Duluth Airport handle Air Force One? And of course it can and did yep. and has. Yep. Uh, Mike writes, just caught the recent podcast discussing the Duluth Airport. Besides being the home of the 148th fighter wing and having a very long runway, as previously mentioned, the airport has a couple of other distinctions of note. C-130 transports from the Twin Cities do regular training in Duluth, along with KC-135 air tankers from other states. Both fly right over my house when doing touch-and-goes. Plus, every so often we catch a glimpse of a mysterious unmarked government or military aircraft. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Also, here is a clipping from the Minneapolis Star Tribune from 1987. Last week, the Minneapolis Star Tribune had a story about the Concorde, and it said that its only visit to Minnesota was in July 1987. It landed in Duluth, Minnesota for the Duluth Air Show. The article said that some of the passengers played nine holes of golf in England in the morning and the other nine holes in Duluth in the afternoon. It also took groups on rides around the upper Midwest during its stay, flying only subsonic. The Duluth Airport, which, with its 10,000-foot runway, was the only airport in the upper Midwest at the time that could accommodate the Concorde. Wow. I, I'm, this is coming back to me. I remember that. Okay. Lastly, next weekend, the Duluth Airport will host the largest air show in Minnesota, featuring the Air Force Thunderbirds. It's a hell of a show. Good luck. Mike in Duluth, proud member of the Royal Order of 21sters. Right. So there's your last word in the Duluth Airport. I know one of those um, one of those pilots that uh, is uh, with the National Guard, Andy, who's a huge listener to your broadcast. Is a lot he, of them are actually. You mean he's a he's a big fellow, or no? He's, he he's uh, uh, he flies uh, the big planes. An avid listener. An avid. Yeah, he's a big listener. When you see a, a huge large. listener, I'm picturing a big guy. No, he's little. He's a little shorter than normal, but. Uh, but a quality guy. You know what I want to see? I want to see the uh, body cams. I want to see the body camera footage from the Minneapolis police. I think we I'm all joining. Do. I'm joining my voice. I'm lending my voice to the call for that. Let's go. I want to see it today. Let's just, let's, uh, it is what it is. So let's get it out in the open.
Many of the facts surrounding the shooting death of Thurman Blevins remain a mystery. The only answers on Monday came from a Hennepin County Medical Examiner's report stating that Blevins died from multiple gunshots. The question will now be, what was the context of those shots being fired? Said James Densley, Associate Professor of Criminal Justice at Metropolitan State University. Densley says unreleased body camera footage could provide context and clear up some of the big differences between current law enforcement accounts of the shooting and those of some witnesses at the scene because we still have two competing storylines. The body camera footage will be important to determine whether or not there was a weapon present at the scene and whether or not the officer's actions were deemed reasonable by comparison to other officers, Densley said. Surveillance from a home near the site of the shooting already provides a quick glimpse of the foot chase prior to the shooting, but Densley says it's important to uh, always have the second sheet of the story, which I apparently don't have. Well, well, the fact remains that you're right. That's, here it is. Let's I get them out as soon I, as possible. I got it. I got it. Uh, but it's important to know if Blevins was still running when officers fired or if he made a threatening move toward them. Police can only shoot a fleeing person if they reasonably believe that that person poses a significant threat to either the officer or the surrounding community, Densley said. What the video cannot do, Densley says, is show what threat the officers may have perceived. Both, uh, But both law enforcement and some members of the Blevins family say they want the public to see the video in terms, uh, I'm sorry, in hopes of providing everyone with more context. It is our belief that body camera will reveal what happened, said Bob Kroll, president of the Minneapolis Police Federation, that the officers were subjected to a threat. We want him to get some type of justice. We just want to know the truth, said Manuel Moore, Blevins' uncle. We just want to know the truth. So do I. And they better not screw this up and come up with some bleeping reason why we can't, why the public will not have that body camera footage made available to them. The public needs to see it. Right. We don't know what the story is, but we'll know more of the story when we see that. I don't think we can tolerate a a situation where the BCA says, well, we have it, but uh, according to paragraph sub 313B, this uh, must remain uh, a private part of the investigation. B as in B, S as in S. It's going to be 100 degrees for about the next week. People are going to get anxious. Let's get to the bottom of this and see the body camera footage and hope that the body camera footage is helpful to understanding what happened. If I made myself clear. Crystal clear, Mr. Bender. Mm-hmm. Twins play tonight in Chicago. Is yep. that where Moron number two is on the road right now? I'm not sure if he made it down there or not. I've not chatted with him today. Um, he, he was worried about getting his hotel money back. Why? Well, because if, if they didn't go down there, they it wouldn't be refunded. Well, usually you need to provide the hotel more than 24 hours notice. Which is why... You, I don't think he's staying at the Ritz. Which is why you always want to use a travel agent. Why? Can they get your money back? You, you have a better chance of getting a refund or your money back if you work through a travel agent than booking by yourself. Well, I don't mean to dwell on this, but Mr. Baseball was going to see the Twins and the White Sox. Why wouldn't he have gone? Rain. It's going to rain tonight there. They're going oh, to in Chicago? Yeah. Oh. You looked at the forecast, and the forecast said it's just going to sit and rain. So I don't know if the boys will get the uh, ball game in tonight or not. You know how I said uh, that when you disconnect from the news, you, you tend to 
realize life isn't bad, but if you remain plugged into the news, uh, it, it can drive you, uh, it can drive you crazy. I was reading about uh, uh, immigrants today, but I was reading about them in, uh, in Algeria. Uh, Alge- That's a bad situation. <laughs> Algeria, uh, in response to the European Union putting pressure on northern African countries to stop the flow of immigrants into Europe, uh, has requested that they, they do not provide any comfort or accommodation. So what the Algerian authorities are doing are taking people back to a uh, what's called ground zero. And they're literally pointing to Niger and say, hit the road. Well, it isn't a road. It's the Sahara desert. There are kids, there are pregnant women. They're, they're dying. They yeah. can't get back to, to Niger. They can't cross this. Uh, and, and we think we're mistreating people. You, you really think in this country, people are being mistreated when they're uh, uh, corralled at the border of Texas Read the account. It's in, it's in the Star Tribune today. Uh, read the account of what's happening in uh, Niger. And, 108 and, degree weather. And they can't uh, they can't make it. And there are thousands have been lost in the desert. And the desert shrivels the bodies. The wind blows the sand over them. And they're never to be accounted for again. But if they make it, then they get on a life raft or a couple of inner tubes and hope they don't drown trying to get to Europe. What's, who's on line one? Uh, Tom from St. Paul. Tom? Hey, Joe. Yes. So um, kind of playing devil's advocate here on the body cam footage, but also disagreeing with you slightly, I think. Um, I would like to see it as much as you would, but, you know, the folks are saying we need the context in which it occurred. But I don't think we can truly know the context until we know what the rules are. And I think what I mean by that is I've heard just as you have, conflicting accounts of whether they shot him in the back, for instance. But my understanding is there are circumstances under which that's acceptable, primarily, for instance, if it's as we've heard, this guy was indiscriminately firing a gun, which is why 911 was called. So the cops have to decide, is he going to shoot through a window and take out a five-year-old doing their homework, etc.? I understand. So I totally get where you're coming from, but to me, this might only fan the flames because people may not understand what they're saying. But on the other hand, the way they drag their feet on the Justine Diamond thing, I do not want this to stretch out for a year. There's got to be a happy medium. So I, good luck. I, I couldn't agree more. Thank you. 646-8255-877-615-1500. Uh, Garage Logic will be back shortly. Commencing garage logic segment number two. The Supreme Court has upheld the travel ban on mostly Muslim countries, and the reaction has been predictably harsh. Uh, it's being called racist and discriminatory for the Supreme Court to have up, upheld Trump's order. And then I was also reading. By the way, as I understand the ruling, the ruling applies to countries, yes, that are mostly Muslim, that have very poor identification procedures in place. 
for example. Right. There's uh, Chad was on the list also, the country of Chad. Yeah. That's been removed from the list because they fixed their problem. And okay. so now somebody from Chad who wants to come here has the proper identification. I would imagine that will hold true of Iran and uh, Yemen and Somali, uh, Somalia and other places. I'm Th- certainly that's the, in that's favor the of faith that. you would have to have. Uh, other or or you you have a case of a president saying no, these people are not coming here. I I think they are, if they get their act together in their own countries. That's what we want. Press them to do that. Then I was reading. Uh, you know, New York has a, a goober. Notorial candidate, Cynthia Nixon. Yes, yeah, from Sex and the City star. Yeah, and she's making uh, inroads. She She's calling for the, uh, to abolish the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Yeah, I saw that. She's and many, many, many Democrats are. It's a, it's a development in the Democratic Party stance on immigration reform. An increasing number of candidates calling for Immigration and Customs Enforcement to be abolished. That's according to NBC News. Uh what do you want then? See, I don't have the wisdom of Solomon here. What what country do they want? Uh, do should we have a country with absolutely no borders? We because borders. many many Democrats have represented many areas of the country for many many years. Nothing's been fixed. There is nothing different today going on in Texas than went on during previous administrations. Not one thing. The, this current administration stumbled over itself with the very telegenic display of. Uh, People supposedly being separated, the families supposedly be, being separated. They had to repair that and put that back together, uh, and they are. Uh, I don't know what 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 do people want. I don't even know who to ask. I, I can't ask Keith Ellison. I can't ask Cynthia Nixon. But what what they want is it would come to a point where it would be too far to fit. We we will have gone too far to fix it. We would not be able to fix it if we just let everybody come on in. You don't need a driver. You're undocumented. You don't need a, we're going to give you a driver's license because of that. Here we go. Senator Kamala Harris, a rising star in the Democratic Party and a potential 2020 presidential candidate, suggested on NBC's Meet the Press that the government should think about starting from scratch with ICE. Harris's comments represent a change in tone for March when she said on MSNBC that ICE has a purpose, ICE has a role, ICE should exist, uh, but let's not abuse the power, let's not extend it to areas that are not posing a threat to the safety and public safety of these communities. Other supporters of abolishing ICE include Cynthia Nixon, uh, that famous politician Cynthia Nixon, who is challenging New York City, uh, I'm sorry, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo for the Democratic nomination. and Randy Bryce, uh, who is running uh, in House Speaker Paul Ryan's Wisconsin's district. Sean McElwee is an activist who has helped push the idea of abolishing ICE. He seemed to acknowledge that for Democrats, it took a president they didn't like to get them to acknowledge the problems with the immigration system, most of which existed under previous administrations. Trump's boorishness has exposed the fundamental fundamental inhumanity of the system for Democrats in a way that they were never going to see when Obama was president, McElwee said. The fundamental inhumanity? No, there's fundamental inhumanity in Northern Africa. There's fundamental uh, uh, inhumanity right now in Algeria turning people back in the middle of the Sahara Desert and pointing them back to Niger, where many of them have no chance in hell to make it to a glass of water. 
That's fundamental in humanity. Aren't you getting tired? I'm tired of being told that we're, we're such an inhumane country. Right. And I don't want to hear this cages and wrapped in tinfoil BS. That's been going on for decades, decades. So, yeah, you want to start over from scratch. Great. What's the plan going to be? And is Congress going to ever take action? George Will is calling for the GOP to be voted out. Yeah, I saw that. What what the hell is the plan supposed to be? We're inhumane? Yeah, we're putting we're people the most behind chain link place, fences. We're the most humane place in the world. Why do you think people are trying to get here? Giving them three meals. I'm not saying it's luxurious. I would agree with that. Well, of course it's not. It's they're dreadful. not in 108 degree weather in the desert. It's dreadful. But these are parents who lived in Honduras, for example, who made a decision to risk their children and their children's lives to, to make this harrowing journey up here, thinking they can just waltz in. No, there's got to be a procedure. But we're told this is humane, inhumane and discriminatory. How in the hell is it inhumane and discriminatory? Do you think... Do you really think, does anyone in this country really think we're going to let kids starve to death, pregnant women die uh, outside of some help, like like what's happening now in Northern Africa? Do people really think that's what we're going to do? And it's come to, you know, we've got celebrities now. we got Trump, we got Cynthia Nixon. The floodgates are going to open on celebrities, by the way. I, I predict more and more so-called celebrities will be running for public office. I wonder if there'll be any conflict of interest. How could there? For some of them. I, yeah, I don't know. They might think, hey, they uh, worked with this person, or I, I don't know. I just need the celebrity style. Just, that doesn't. You know what else I got to try to break down? What? Harley Davidson wanting to build bikes in uh, outside the Where United States. Where do your sensibilities lie? Well, you're going to find out okay. right after the Johnny Hyde newscast. Garage Logic Segment Number Three. Here in the TCL Broadcast Studios Newsroom is John Height. Thank you, Joe. It's cloudy and 69 degrees. This update brought to you by MetaFast. Joe, have you ever seen the French Connection? Oh, of course. Wasn't it wonderful? Mm -hmm. We were just talking about it here. Rook's never seen it. I'm not surprised. Not seen the French. Not surprised. I I said that's what uh, Hackman's performance there might be one of my five favorites. I think so. Oh, great film. Uh, anyway, uh, the Twins open up a nine-game road stand tonight against the White Sox. Lance Lynn pitches for the Twins. Righty Ronaldo Lopez will go for the White Sox. Twins ever called Jake Cave from Rochester to take the spot of Ryan Lamar, who they optioned over the weekend. Links in action tonight. They're at home. They'll play the Seattle Storm at the Target Center. And new Wild GM Paul Fenton today announced uh, he's named an assistant GM. It's Tom Curvers. Curvers is a senior advisor for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the past 10 years. He's a native of Minneapolis. He played 11 years in the NHL before holding down various jobs in NHL front offices. News notes from today. New Hope police remained at the scene of a standoff in New Hope this morning and this afternoon. According to authorities, the incident began as a domestic dispute just after 8 o'clock last night along the 7300 block of 62nd Avenue North. Authorities said a woman reported her boyfriend was threatening her and her two children. Officers who responded to the scene said they found the woman inside a home in the area. She said the children were still inside the home with the man. Officers attempting to negotiate with the suspect through the night and the morning and said they uh, think a weapon may be present. 
A woman from Sauk Rapids taken off a Spirit Airlines flight heading from Houston to Minneapolis after a mid-flight meltdown Monday. This crackpot was from here? Yeah, Sauk Rapids. You, really? saw, you saw the video, yes. huh? Oh, God. Why didn't somebody <laughs> punch her? Video captured by passenger Keontae Washington shows the woman pacing up and down the aisle, screaming hysterically. Uh, she's swearing, making threats, and acting erratically. Get me the bleep off this plane, the woman screams. When male passengers stand up to block her, she shakes her fist, yelling, Do you know who my brothers are? They are bleeping Marine snipers. Do you want to bleep with a bleeping Marine? Authorities tell KTRK Television the woman was irate after the flight landed in Rochester due to a medical issue. Another passenger was removed from the plane before the other woman's outburst. Wait a Ro- minute. They had two crackpots in this That's flight? That's correct. Well, one of the women uh, didn't like the way they treated this woman, so she asked to be let off the plane. And her, her, Do we know what the medical issue? We don't uh, know. Well, uh, according to our uh, Hubbard station there, KAAL in yep. Rochester, uh, yep. the woman had a medical emergency, had a diabetic reaction, was taken to the hospital for treatment. The 38-year-old woman who had the meltdown was from Sauk Rapids, according to KAAL. They're reporting the woman told police she was a military veteran traveling alone for the first time and panicked. Passenger who was sitting near the woman said she had told him she had suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. Rochester police removed the woman from the flight, say she made other arrangements to get home. Police returned to the flight once more to remove another woman who wanted to get off, telling police she didn't agree with how Spirit Airlines treated the woman in getting her off the plane. So that was an exciting flight, apparently. Yeah. President Trump today said the Supreme Court's decision to uphold the administration's travel ban was a tremendous victory for the country and the Constitution after the justices ruled 5-4 to four in the White House's favor. The court found today the order is, quote, squarely within the scope of presidential authority. When asked if he would keep the travel ban in place, considering the court's latest ruling, the president said, of course, what do you think? I wouldn't go ahead without it. He added the Supreme Court has the final word on the matter. The ban prevents people from Iran, Libya, Syria, Somalia, Yemen, and North Korea from entering. Meanwhile, House Speaker Paul Ryan scheduled a long-awaited showdown vote on that broad Republican immigration bill for tomorrow. But he's not showing much confidence that the package will survive. Underscoring the legislation's prospects in his GOP-run chamber, Ryan declined to answer questions today about a separate, narrow measure Republicans are privately talking about. It would focus on the issue that's grabbed the public attention in recent days, the Trump administration's separation of migrant children from their parents when families are caught crossing the border without authorization. Ryan told reporters about his preference to focus on trying to pass the broader bill. If that doesn't succeed, then we'll cross that bridge. But the last thing I want to do now is undercut a vote on what is a great consensus bill. Former President George H.W. Bush has a new member of the family, a yellow Labrador retriever, who will be his first service dog. The dog is named Sully. 94-year-old ex-president and Sully got acquainted yesterday at the Bush family compound. The optimistic 94-year-old president. <laughs> you know, you're a former president. <coughs> uh-huh. You'd think you'd get some people. He wouldn't need the mutt. Right. You know. Where's the gramps? Uh, he's wandering around the rose bushes out the there. Dog takes Look him at him. Around. Yeah. He got two apparently hitting it Does off. he know he's out there? I don't know. Hitting it off well. A photo sent via Twitter showed Sully lounging at the feet of the former president and also former president Bill Clinton, who was visiting uh, Bush on Monday. Sully can open doors, pick up items, and summon help. But more than anything else, the dog will be a companion, according to aide Evan Sisley. Doesn't anybody talk to him? How about you get a relative to sit in there and you keep the breeze with him? You can't get close him. to him. David Copperfield, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess. 
The nation's 41st president uses a wheelchair and an electric scooter for mobility. Since developing a form of Parkinson's disease, he's recovering from recent hospitalization without his wife, of course, uh, of 73 years, Barbara Bush, who died in April. Sully was trained by America's Vet Dogs, a nonprofit that provides service dogs. When he's on his motor scooter, um, since he's trying to be, you know, just a regular man of the people, I wonder if when he goes to I think he goes to Walmart. To Walmart. Is he, is he one of those guys that just forces his way in aisle seven, regardless of whether you're there or not? you got to get out of his way. And then they try to back up. Nobody can ever back up. And you can hear the beep. I was just going to say all of a sudden you hear beep, beep. Yeah. I'm coming back! Former White House press secretary Sean Spicer is working on a television interview show in which he'd banter with guests about a variety of topics. A spokesman for TV syndication company Debmar Mercury said that a pilot episode of the series titled Sean Spicer's Common Ground is in the works. The New York Times reported the show would feature Spicer interviewing public figures and have respectful conversations on topics ranging from the media to sports to marriage. Spicer confirmed to the Times the show was in the process, saying, In this current environment, I think it's important to have a platform where we can have civil, respectful, and informative discussions on the issues of the day. He added, maybe if I can be a part of having productive conversations with people, we can show a better way. A machete-wielding Montana woman broke into her ex-boyfriend's home, told him to undress, and then forced him to have sex with her, according That's to police. That's never happened to me. No? No. no. Probably Kenny. It's probably happened to Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. As detailed in the criminal complaint, 19-year-old Samantha Mears entered the victim's Great Falls, Montana home on Friday when he wasn't home. She's in the no-go zone. Yeah. She's (laughs) She's a boiling bunny. She's in the no-go zone. She's boiling bunnies. Uh Uh-huh. When the man got back, Mears confronted him from behind with a machete and allegedly told the man to get on the bed and remove his clothes. Victim told police he complied with Mears for fear of his safety, adding he did not feel he could leave the room at that time without getting hurt. She might have gone all Lorena Bobbitt on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't think he would close his eyes at all, huh? No. Investigators say after Mears removed her pants, she climbed atop the victim and they engaged in sex. The victim said that Mears, who was holding the machete the whole time, oh, yeah. bit him on the arm and all continued, part of the game. And continued to have sex with him after he attempted to end the encounter. Uh, after all this happened, Mears sat on the bed, still armed with a machete, at her back against the wall, according to the complaint. It was during that time the victim took several photos of Mears with a machete in her hand. The man who provided the in, uh, images to police had a bite mark on his arm and when later interviewed by the cops. They called 911 without her noticing. The man backed out of the bedroom, he said, and escaped his residence. Uh, Mears has been charged with aggravated burglary and assault with a weapon, both felonies. She also faces misdemeanor counts of criminal mischief, assault, and unlawful restraint. What town was this, John? That was Great Falls, Montana. Yeah, it's not a big enough town. He's got to move or she's got to move. Why is she? Yeah. Hey, uh... No, no, saw the picture. She was not a big girl. Huh. No, the mugshot she was got not. It. She's locked up. Fifty. Are you sure this guy just wasn't fun. calling everybody to tell maybe, him that? Maybe it's hey, a new look thing. what happened to me. Uh, it happened Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, and Friday. <laughs> and a Michigan man said he might never have known. Save about that one for three thirty, please. <laughs> okay, I want to see I, Kenny's I can, reaction. You got to bring that. that one back. Okay. A Michigan man. You really want to do that, huh? I I just want to see. I I just want to see his. Re- I want to watch his face. The, the disbelief. He's going to say that's, that's that's happened to me. <laughs> I don't know. Strangely enough, Rook, Joe and I try to avoid those kind of stories with Kenny. You ought to bring it in and poke the bear. I'm very careful on what uh, John is allowed to do (laughs) Uh with uh, Kenny in the room. We we often have that conversation. Many stories have been thrown away. I'm just getting right out of that can. Mm -hmm. Very true. 
And a Michigan man said he may never have known about his twenty-five grand a year for life lottery jackpot if his dad hadn't come to visit. Twenty-five grand a year. Yeah, that's nothing. Well, I guess I'll, it's hey. Something. You want to flip me twenty-five grand? Well, a year? it's free. I'll, I'll I guess it's it. something. Yeah. Twenty-nine-year-old yeah. Bavik Patel told Michigan lottery officials he bought a lucky for life ticket. He said the ticket for the April 23rd drawing sat in a pile of unchecked tickets on his desk for two months until Dad came to visit. Dad was in town, and he checked the tickets for him. He visited lottery headquarters last Friday, chose to take his prize as an annuity, $25,000 a year for life. Knowing I can count on this for the rest of my life gives me a sense of security. I would imagine so, sure. Wait, wait, what was that story? So who got the ticket? The dad found it? The, well, no, the kid had it sitting on his desk, and dad came to visit and went, oh, look, you got tickets. I'm going to check them. Checked them, and there's a... And he cashed um, it in? Well, yeah, the no, kid did. The kid will. It's not a confusing it story. I thought ticket. it was a, a story of betrayal. No, dad. not at all. Oh, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, there. Stop it. You just make a move. Joe Suchere. Dave Dahl's forecast that everybody's curious about in Garage Logic is brought to you by the Duluth Trading Company with offices in Bloomington, Fridley, Woodbury, and of course, Duluth. Hi, Dave. Hi there, Joe. We're at 69 degrees. We may inch up a couple more degrees, get up to about 73. Uh, clouds should thin a little bit, but boy, we've got a lot of cloud cover out there. Some light rain and drizzle. Overnight tonight with some fog in there, 64 for the overnight low, light and variable wind. Tomorrow, patchy fog in the morning, otherwise partly sunny and starting to heat up. 85 for tomorrow, 90 on Thursday, 96 on Friday. Heating to see is probably over 102 on Friday, uh, anywhere from 102 to about 105. And then Saturday, some morning and nighttime thunderstorms. The middle part of the day should be just fine. I know the Patriot Ride is this Saturday, big deal. What's the temperature Saturday supposed to be? Saturday about 90. It's going to be very humid. Morning thunderstorms, uh, middle part of the day should be fine, and then evening thunderstorms start to pop up again. And then 84 as it cools down on Sunday, but next week it heats right back up. Monday, 88, 92 again on Tuesday, and now it looks like the 4th of July will be somewhere up around, I'd say, 94, 95. Uh, It's going to be a hot one for this 4th of July. Going for a cloudy night tonight, some fog down to 64. Right now we're at 69, Joe. All right, thank you. The president is threatening Harley-Davidson. If it moves operations overseas, they will be taxed like never before. Of course, he went on a tweet storm, and he said a Harley-Davidson should never be built in another country. Never. They already are. I didn't know that. (laughs) They already are. They have manufacturing plants in Brazil, India, Australia, and Thailand. Mm. But... uh, because of the retaliatory tariffs of the EU in response to Trump's tariffs, uh, the price of a bike would increase by about 2200 bucks wow. in Europe. And so what's Harley supposed to do? If they, build, if they ship the bike to Europe from Thailand, they're not going to experience the $2,200 increase and they can sustain the base of people who keep buying Harleys in increasing numbers overseas compared to declining sales here. You'll still buy a Harley here that was made here. As I understand it, they're going to close the Kansas City plant. This is all in the planning stages. They're going to close the Kansas City plant and consolidate everything at the other American plant in York, Pennsylvania. I think engines might still be made in Milwaukee. So you go into St. Paul Harley-Davidson two years from now, 
and buy a Harley, presumably it was made in, in this country. But Harley sales are increasing overseas where people rely on motorcycles more than here for daily transportation. Sure. Here, their, their, their demographic is aging. You're talking to one. Right. I'm done. I had my run. I, I'm not going to own another one. I could, but I don't want to fall off anymore. I'm no longer willing to fall off. I was for 20 years. Right. Now I'm no longer willing to. So what you're saying is globally, it's it's sort of like, would you like to keep your sports stock or do you want additives? A Harley Davidson should never be built in another country. Never. Their employees and customers are already very angry at them. If they move, watch. It will be the beginning of the end. They surrendered. Uh, they quit. The aura will be gone and they will be taxed like never before, Trump said. What the hell are they supposed to do? They have shareholders to respond to. They right. they have uh, they they have a company that they're trying to keep sustainable. Their market is in in is overseas. It's in Indonesia, it's in Europe, it's in Asia. They already build plant. They already build bikes there, Don. They got four manufacturing facilities that aren't in America, so they're going to increase production of bikes not made in America to avoid the tariffs, which were a direct response to the tariffs you put on steel and aluminum. Bing, bang, boom. What are they supposed to do? You asked me before, where do our sensibilities lie? Yeah, I got to hear. My sensibilities are with Harley Davidson doing what they have to do to keep their company alive. Right. Keep people employed. Well, that, that's that, that'll be the, that'll be the, the gripe here is that employee counts will be reduced in this country. Mm -hmm. Because they're not selling the majority of their bikes in this country anymore. The, the, the demographic has aged on them. And they're expensive pieces of machinery. I don't have any numbers whatsoever in front of me, but it's unlikely the 25-year-old motorcyclist is buying a Harley. It's probably more likely that the 25-year-old motorcyclist is buying a Japanese bike. They're less expensive. If he's moved out of his mom's basement and is done playing video games. The company announced in May of 2017 it would build a plant in Thailand to better reach the Southeast Asian market. CEO Matt Levitich told Bloomberg News in April he made the decision after President Donald Trump withdrew the U.S. from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a free trade agreement with 11, 11 other nations, mostly in Asia. Producing in Thailand lets Harley avoid the country's tariff of up to 60% on imported motorcycles and helps the company get tax breaks when exporting to nearby countries. The company said in January it plans to grow international business to 50% of annual income by 2027. Meanwhile, Harley is in the process of shutting down at Kansas City and transferring operations to York, Pennsylvania. The local union claims at least some of the work is moving to Thailand, while the motorcycle company has denied any link. It seems unlikely it, it seems unlikely that they're going to shift employees to Thailand. They will be using employees who live in Thailand. Harley stock is down more than 25% over the last 12 months. Last year, the company reported an annual decline in new motorcycle sales in both U.S. and international markets, uh, down 8.5% here and down 3.9% in uh, markets outside the uh, United States. Trump said in a tweet Monday that he was surprised by Harley's decision to move production overseas some production overseas. He publicly thanked Wisconsin-based Harley-Davidson early, early last year for building things in America and criticized other companies for moving production to outside the U.S. 
Trade tensions between the U.S. and the rest of the world have increased in the last several months. Harley's announcements made the company one of the first to disclose a negative impact from the tit-for-tat tariffs. All right. I don't know what why why Trump would be surprised. He he right, built, he's gonna he, ruffle some feathers. He he builds overseas if he sees an expansion situation, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I don't think it's gonna hurt. They're they're already building them in, in four other plants that are nowhere near Milwaukee. Do you want sidecar? <laughs> no, no, I I don't. No, the no. CP does not go with you. I want. Uh, can you get me a? Uh, I want a super glide. Almost free for you, my friend. Almost free. <laughs> You've seen the pictures of the way people commute in, in around oh, yes. the world. Yeah, it makes sense. Two wheels. Yeah, they and they pile everything. Well, that on the I, bike. that I'm not. I I can't claim that I've seen pictures of Harleys with entire families on them, but but people around the world, uh, generally speaking, rely on the, on the motorcycle far more than. Uh, and think, and, and here, I don't know why my brain does this to me. For all of you people who want to condemn the United States uh, for what you believe to be man-made climate change, have you ever seen the air in India? Most of those bikes are two cycles. You know, what that requires is a government crackdown on pollution standards in the likes of India. Right. And, and uh, the two cycles are uh, terribly polluting. Harley is not a polluting bike. And it doesn't leak oil. All of those myths have been <laughs> long resolved. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel Joe Sushir. Take that down. Joe, real quickly, please. Hey, this is no different than, I'm a big Harley guy, and it's no different than them building Toyotas in, like, Tennessee or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have to do this to keep themselves afloat. That's right. Otherwise, they'll go broke. They'll just go under. Then there's nothing. I, you know? I, that's 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 why I, my sensibilities fell where they did. What's Harley supposed to do? Go under? They got to do whatever they have to do to stay alive. Uh, I just was checking my uh, phone yep. for the weather in Chicago. What do you got? Oh, I'm going to give it to you here in a second. Uh, I'm not seeing uh, any uh, rain. I'm not see- Yeah, I am. I'm seeing uh, it's increasing increasing chances of rain. Seventy percent chance of rain. All right tonight. Fifteen hundred ESPN is KSDP St. Paul, Minneapolis.